I've shared with so many people, I just said, I just feel like there's just so much chaos or hurts in this world. And I don't know if I'm just heightened to it. You know what I'm saying? When you get around uh, sickness and then you're more aware of other people's sickness and things. But just thought of just the the world that we live in in COVID. I mean, uh, I, I was thinking about how many times we hear the word now, people being are uh, out of commission because they're sick with COVID. We have Ruth and Ben Snyder that's in the hospital right now with uh, COVID pneumonia. If you're not seeing them here, they're, they're out with that. And uh, Randy Howell, I just heard yesterday, he, he had COVID. Uh, and I'm not sure if it turned into COVID pneumonia or not, but just so many people struggling with that. And I thought, man, we, we've really been through it with that. Then I thought about how much division in just heartache and problems and it's just escalated and elevated in our world and I, I won't get into all that but I'm just saying <clears throat> the Bible is very clear knowing that as we get to the end and sometimes we say I don't know I don't want to hear verses about that but the Bible says know this in the last days perilous difficult times are going to come that's what he said it's, it's one of the signs that he talked about this is one of the ways that you know that things are going to change. Perilous times will come. It's a warning. He talked about how people won't adhere to that warning and how everything's going to change when it comes to that. He said that it's, the warning is, uh, likewise, when you shall see these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. People won't be expecting it. He said it's, it's the, the coming of Christ, the return of Jesus Christ is going to come to where by the time that people notice it or whatever, it's going to be too late. He said, I'm, I'm coming. It's so much closer than what you even think, even at the door. He said, he's talking about the prophecies, talking about the warnings, talking about the perilous times and all the things that we see around us constantly. For yourselves, know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. Not for us. And I'd love to speak on this again. It's just so heavy on my heart. It's not for us. We, the Lord is coming back as a thief in the night because we are expecting him to come. But the idea is the world around us is not expecting him to come. It's going to come and they're going to be like, I don't know what happened. The Bible warns us of that. I said, man, it bothers me. It should bother all of us when we talk about these things. The Bible describes it, then shall two be in the field. One shall be taken, one shall be left. You think about the application of that. He's literally saying there's coming a day when the coming of Christ, <clears throat> that there's going to be some people, two people are going to be car in a car. One's going to be taken, one's going to be left. Two people's going to be on vacation. Two people's going to be sitting uh, in the school or wh- wherever. And then one's going to be taken, one's going to be left. We sit there and blow that off and, and say that that's just science fiction or, or something that they've been saying for years. But the Bible talks about this being the coming of Christ Jesus said, I will come again. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. Besides that, of the fact of the, the standing before God and the fact that it happens, the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. Man, it's appointed unto men once to die. That, that part most people get. But when you follow up with it and after this the judgment, after this you will stand before God. Ready or not, stand before God. How many people today are not ready? How many people around us and in the world around us are not ready to meet Christ? You say, why aren't they ready? Because they don't know this. They don't know this. Thankful for growing up in church and being in church and hearing the gospel and hearing the truth and knowing right from wrong. We know this. But at that point, there will be no more gospel. There's no going backs. 
There's no redos. There's, there's no starting over. There's no missions conference. There, will, there, there, there won't be missionaries. There won't be any of that point. The Bible describes us standing before God and it says, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell were delivered unto the, up, up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Judged. Not, not, not scales of good and bad, but the Bible talks about in that verse, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life, in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Say, that bothers me. Let me tell you as Christians, that should bother you. Not from the perspective of my testimony, because we can stand there and testify saying, man, I know I know Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. I know where I'm going to go. I know what's next for me. I know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But I'm here to tell you that there's a world around us that does not know that. The only time that they'll truly believe and understand that there is a God when they stand before God on that judgment day. And on that day that it is too late. And the Bible talks about there being a separation. There's no undoing that separation that's before us. And they shall go away into everlasting punishment but the righteous and into eternal life, everlasting, never ending, never changing, everlasting punishment. The Bible says where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Say, this bothers me. A lot of people sit there and say, I don't want to go to church and hear about this kind of stuff. I don't want to do this. But do you realize that that is the reality of why we are called to the gospel? This is why we preach. This is why we teach. This is why we have Shelly up here testify. This is why we have Sarah going to Romania. This is why we have Sunshine Mission and Mike and Belinda. You say, why do we do this? Because it matters. It matters more than anything else that we do in this world. It matters in the fact that one day Jesus met you and saved you and changed you. And then God says you're accountable or you've been blessed with something great. What are you doing with it? You ever wondered what it takes to reach the hearts and minds of people? I mean, what do we have? How do, how do I get from my heart to their eyes? How do I get from my mind to the truth of what I have to be able to penetrate the, the hardness and the callousness of the world around us? The Bible in John, it's written by the Apostle John, but John in his Apostle in chapter 1 begins to talk about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was like a redneck. He, he, the Bible describes him as being like a wild man. He dressed differently. He ate bugs. He was, he was really different. But when the Bible describes him in the passage right here, it doesn't describe him as an apostle. It doesn't describe him as a preacher. It doesn't describe him as a prophet. The Bible literally says there was a man, just a man, sent from God, whose name was John. You, you talk about the qualifications saying, I'm not good enough, right? I'm not an ordained pastor or whatever. The Bible says there was a man, there's just this guy who was sent from God, who was called by God and sent by God, whose name was John. Just an average guy. Notice what it says. And the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. You know why? You know why he came as a witness? You know why he was called and sent? That all men through him might believe. Let's pray. God, I ask that you will just meet with our hearts and our minds. Pray that you open our eyes to see the world around us. For the fact that those that we love that's in our house, I pray for those that we go to school with, for those that some people are dating or even married to, that don't know you. Lord, one day there will be a separation. Lord, there's no going back. 
So Lord, help us to understand the calling that you've given us, Lord, this great responsibility that you've empowered us with. And help us, Lord, to live this out, not, not just in our heads, but Lord, to put actions to our faith. Lord, knowing that you've given us this calling to testify of what you've done in our lives. Pray this in your name. Amen. Can I read it again? Verse 7, the same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. There's a lot of words. If you grew up in church or you've been in church for any time, there's a lot of words that we're, we throw out all the time. It's like, I, I'm so glad that I'm saved. You say that in the world and they're just like, safe from what? You know what I'm saying? It doesn't, it doesn't connect with them, you know, but we, we use the word witness a lot, all right? It's like, I'm going to go witnessing to my friend or I'm going to go witnessing uh, with these tracks or I'm going to go down to the fairgrounds when they're, and I'm going to witness to them or whatever, my friends or lost people or whatever in my life. I want to witness have you ever stopped to understand what it truly means to witness? Are you truly witnessing with whatever you're doing that you call witnessing? The Greek word for witness is the Bible's talking about John came to a witness so that all might believe. The word means this, it's evidence given. So that I'm, I'm going I'm to show you something that is evidence. I'm, I'm going to declare or present to you that is evidence of truth. It's not just information given. It's, it's, it's not just recruiting. It's evidence given. It's, a, rec- it's a, a record. It's a report. It, it's, 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 a, it's a testimony or it means to testify. A lot of times we, we get this when if somebody's in a car accident or whatever and you get out and say, did anybody see that? I saw it. Well, what did you see? I saw that guy run the light and that guy right there, he was just going through and it was green for him. Will you testify for me? Or are you willing to be a witness? Yes. The police come up and say, what did you see? I'm not just throwing this out as a theory. I saw it for myself. I know what happened because I experienced it for myself. If you have somebody that's on a witness stand, it's the same thing. They say, I'm going to call to the witness. And they put them and they actually call it a witness stand. It's from the same meaning of this. Do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Yes, so help me God. So they stand there and say, give us your testimony. Tell us your side of the story. This is what happened. I was with him the night of blah, blah, blah. And he was here or not here, whatever. And you're testifying. You're bearing witness. I'm going to explain to you what I saw that I can confirm it because I was an eyewitness of that. The news often will say eyewitness news. It's not just somebody that's testifying the, the fact that I was in the area. No, I saw it for myself. I can tell you that this is legitimately what happened because I saw it. I experienced it for myself. See, a lot of times we want to be information sharers. When God's called us to be witness bearers, there is a difference. There's a difference that God's called us to. Let me illustrate it like this. I will connect with you guys. All right, so... Uh, uh, Logan had a big test a while back. You guys know about it when he was going to OSU and he was getting the CT scans and the, the cardiac MRI and echocardiogram. He had a whole list of stuff they had to get done. So every day they had these spaced out. So we had like this week of just test after test after test, getting him ready for what they thought was going to be surgery a couple weeks ago. So we had to go up to New Albany and there's an outpatient facility there for o- Ohio State. And uh, Jordan told me before I left, he said, Dad, you should look for a place up there called Crumble Cookie uh, when you get up there. And I am like, Crumble Cookie? I said, what is it? He said, it's just a store that sells cookies. I was like, Jordan, Walmart sells cookies. I'm not going to go pay $3.50 for a cookie when I can get a cookie at Walmart. You know, so, so we drove up there anyways. I'm, I, I had to stay in the car because OSU and every place like that, they have rules with COVID for the testing. Only one person was allowed to go in with them. So I had to stay in the car. 
So I'm sitting in the car, and I'm bored, and I'm driving around a little bit, whatever. I, I, I have problems sitting still. And then I, I look over, and in the parking lot, it's crumble cooking. And I'm like, oh, that's the place Jordan was talking about. So that's really cool. So Logan comes out, and I was like, Logan, it's been a long day. Why don't we do something fun? Why don't we try that crumble cookie place? Just, you know, I figured, you know, it'd be something fun. So we drove over to the parking lot. We got out. We went inside. And I'm, uh, I'm going up to the counter, and I'm like, it's weird. It's this, this whole store that all they sell is six cookies. That's all they sell. It's like six cookies. You can't change them. You can't alter them. It's just pick one of these. So we went up to the iPad. Uh, chose our cookies. I got a churro cookie. It was incredible. Uh, I, I, I've never I knew that there was such a cookie. I got out to there and I'm holding this box and it's warm. Okay. And I'm getting in there and I thought, man, I know Lo- I told Logan we bring these home. I got in the car and I gave it to him in the back seat. I have the picture of Logan in the back seat holding our cookies. All right. So Logan opened that. When he opened up that box, the aroma filled the car. And I'm like, this is no Walmart cookie. Okay. I knew right from that moment something was special about this. My cookie was the one in the middle, all right? That's the one I fell in love with. And uh, I told Logan, I said, we could, we could eat these right now while they're hot. And I, I'm telling you, I had no idea what I was experiencing. In that moment, it had a gooey, soft center, this creamy frosting, and just crispy enough on the outside where it kind of crunched when you bit into the cookie. And from that moment, I absolutely fell in love. And I kept talking about this cooking. We're driving home. And Jenny kept looking over at me and she says, you haven't stopped talking about that cookie. I'm saying, Jenny, it was the best cookie I've ever had in all my life. And she got quiet. She looked a little sad or whatever. She looked over at me and she said, I don't think you've ever talked to me like you talk about those cookies. (laughs) I I didn't know what to say because... I love my wife, but oh my goodness, that cookie. And, and I, I'm just sitting there saying, if you, I, I don't want to compare it to the cookie because all my analogies were just really bad, you know. And, and so I didn't say anything. I just kept driving or whatever. So we get home. Jordan works, uh, is, has a job where he's thir- working third shift right now. So we get there home in the morning. He just went to bed. I went up and woke him up to say, you got to try this cookie. You know, I got one for Morgan. So the next day we're sitting in the house and, and Logan was like, dad, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. I was looking. He said, what are you looking up? I said, I was trying to see what the hours were for crumble cookie. He said, dad. <laughs> he said, crumble cookies, like a half hour drive from here is up in New Albany. I said, I know. I got up and I drove to Crumble Cookie and I got more cookies and brought them back. And, and I got my kids attached. And from there, that, that, that week, they surprised us. They went out and bought a whole dozen of Crumble Cookie and they had them in the house. This morning, the guys that I was telling them, I said, I don't know why I'm losing weight. And then I was, or gaining weight. I kept gaining weight. And then I thought, oh, maybe it's the Crumble Cookie. <laughs> hey, that cookie in the middle. It's only 110 calories per serving. Isn't that crazy? I was so excited. I told Jenny, I said, it's only 110 calories per serving. That's like nothing. I looked it up. That cookie's eight servings. (laughs) It is 800 calories for that cookie. I'm not kidding. And now I know. Everybody's just like, I don't know what he's preaching about. All I can think about is cookies now. And I'm sorry for that. But let me just tell you, they're closed on Sundays, so you can't even go get one right now. They're like Chick-fil-A, okay? They have standards and morals, and they're just doing the right thing. So, but uh, I had a point to this. What was the point? It's so funny how when you encounter something 
that has an impact on you, that you have no problems sharing that information with other people. You, you almost can't help it. I mean, I, I'm waking up Jordan, I'm driving back, I'm sacrificing it myself because it legitimately had that big of an impact on my life that I, I, I wanted to share that experience with other people. It's not just something that Jordan said, Dad, you need to try crumble cookie. When I tried it for myself, it had such an impact on my life that I didn't want to keep it to myself. I wanted to share it with others. Can I tell you guys that what I'm talking about, truly you already know, Jesus is much greater than any cookie than we could, cookie experience that we could ever have. I was talking to Tony Rafa back just a minute ago, and we were talking about, isn't it funny how if, if you have an, a restaurant experience, and you say it was the best, and I love it, and everything, you, you have no problem bragging on it and telling, oh, this was the best, and this was the best, and oh, you have to try this when you're there, to share that information with other people. You realize that the calling that we have is because I, I'm not just telling you that I, I know somebody know Jesus, does anybody here, can you testify that you've met and experienced Jesus in your own life? Yes. You guys know what I'm saying. It's not, this isn't just rumors. It's not just information. Let me put it like this. It's not just religion. Where I go through a routine, I've encountered something that's real and authentic and changed me from the inside out. It's had an impact on my life. It's changed me in such a way that I'm no longer the same. I can't keep it to myself. The whole point of this passage that he was giving right here was to witness. I have evidence given. I have evidence given in my life that I am different because of Jesus. I can bear record of the fact of what God has done in my life and how God has changed me and how God has affected me and how God has answered my prayers. I, I, I can testify to this. I, I, I have got a story to tell. I've got an experience that I've encountered through all of this. Our calling is to bear witness of something far greater than anything in this world around us. So let me just break this down. Number one, it's the great encounter that we've had. See, in this passage right here, we examine what John was talking about, what John the Baptist and John the Apostle was talking about. What, what was he witnessing? He said, I came to bear witness. And you just sit there and say, well, what, were, what did you see? What did you experience? And we sit there and talk about the world around us. It's so messed up. And I, I've talked about this. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not mad about this. I'm broken over this. And, and I know if for, for anybody, when, when they come up and they say, do you know what pronouns that I'm going by now? And I, you guys know what I'm talking about like this. And I'm thinking the world used to be so much simpler where we didn't have to worry about that. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that to even be argumentative. If anything, it breaks my heart of the fact that there's so much confusion in this world where you don't even know what to call people anymore. It's just, it's just confusion, and God says, I am not the author of confusion. When the world is so distressed, some Christians get so irritated and upset, and I'm just thinking, you should be broken and burdened. It, it should bother you to motivate you to sit there and say, listen, I've encountered something real. Let me show you what he says. John says, he was not that light, verse 8. But he was sent to bear witness of that light. Let me put it like this, just to put it down on our level. I was not that cookie, but I came to bear witness of the cookie. See, I, 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 John was saying, man, I wasn't the life change, but man, I encountered the life change. Man, I, I, I wasn't the answer to prayer. It was nothing powerful of myself. Man, I just, I just encountered something that was so powerful that it absolutely changed me. It was an experience I have found real truth. I, I have found something in believing and something living for, for. 
because you've, you're encountered with Jesus Christ, let me put it out, and I'll show you this in this passage. You have answers. You have answers. How many of you in here testify right now and say, say amen really loud if you believe in this? Do you believe that there's a real heaven? Amen. Do you believe there's a real hell? Amen. Do you believe Jesus honestly died on the cross for your sins? Amen. You have answers. You know what life is about. You know where we came from. And somebody sits there and says, well, I believe we came from a big blob of goo that crawled out of a lake one day and formed into this and randomly changed into this and it all happened from a big bang. You're sitting there saying, well, that's, that's not right. That doesn't even make sense. How do you even know that's true? And what evidence do you have of that? And John was testifying this. He was, he was talking about how there's so much confusion in this world. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. They're walking around looking for truth. They're looking for light. They're looking for something that stands out. They're looking for something that's not a scam. Have you guys ever noticed that in the world that scams are everywhere? Somebody messages you on Facebook and says, hey, have you seen this video? You, 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 that's, a, that's a scam that goes on. Hey, I saw your name on the list. And all this, that's a scam that's going on. People call you on the phone and just say, you want a trip. All I need is $99 and a credit card. You get this whole cruise right now. It's a scam. It's all around us. The world's looking for something real. Listen, he said, in the beginning was the word. Going back to the beginning. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him. Without him, not anything was made that was made. You want to know where we came from? Do you want to know why I'm here? Do you want to know how life was created? Do you want to know the purpose of your life? All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John continues to say, he goes, let me, let me tell you this. He says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. He, he, he's, he's explaining this truth. He's, he's explaining what happened. And all of a sudden, we, we understand the first thing that he, he explains from this. He just lays out the truth, the answers that we have. But then he rolls from there and he starts explaining what's going on in him. In him was life. You have to understand what he's saying by this. You have the quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sin. Do you guys understand before you met Jesus that there was nothing in your abilities to save yourself? Nothing. So if anybody sits there and says, I'm trying my best to be a good person, you can never be good enough because you were dead in your trespasses and sin. It's not, you're not trying to go from bad to good. You're trying to go from dead to alive. When you start looking at it from that perspective, the biblical, when God starts explaining your spiritual condition before you met Jesus Christ, it wasn't, I was bad, but I'm trying to improve and be good. God says you were dead. Look at something dead and say, what are you going to do for yourself? I can't. I'm dead. There's no life there. The Bible is explaining with him, you are changed. In him was life and the life was the light of men. You are changed, passed from darkness to light. It's a drastic, radical change. Let me ask you guys again. Have any of you been changed by Jesus Christ? It's, it's not just a, a religious experience. It's not signing up on a church role. It's not faithfully attending a building on Sundays. It's something that happened when you met Jesus Christ and it happened from the inside out and you were radically changed, drastically changed. John is testifying of that. He said, let me tell you, in Jesus, there was life. There's lots of words for the word life. That word life right there literally means an inner change, an eternal change. 
It's not just a matter of, man, I had a better day because I met Jesus. I'm talking about something drastically different in my life. You've experienced salvation. You are different. Everything about you is changed. When you went from death to life, your mission in life changed. Your purpose changed. You know where you're going. You know what life is about. You know what our, our purpose, like I preached before, is to bring glory to God or constantly point to God. You, you have answers. You are changed. But let me put it like this. You are the evidence. In him was life. And the life, the radical change, was the light of men. Have you ever stopped to break that down of what it means? It literally means when I encountered Jesus, I got life. It was radically different. But light is something that manifests itself out of whatever it is. Light is something that's obvious. It's something that's significant change. It's the evidence that's there. So you guys remember back before we had LED bulbs and all the younger generations like, no, I don't. But back before we had the old incandescent bulbs, you guys know what I'm talking about? Do you guys remember how we used to test them if they were good or bad? Do you remember that? You just shake the ball. Because the filament inside, when it would pop, it would break and it'd get loose and then you just shake the bulb. So is that a good bulb or whatever? You can't do that with LED lights. The only reason why or the way that you know it's a good bulb is when it's lit. That's it. You screw it in. When it lights up, you know, it's, it's, it's how it is. You know what the world around us is looking for? They're looking for something that's alive and real. I just want something real. And I, I tell you, that, and, and I, I preached on this before, and I think this is a big deal. It's something that we need to be aware of and awake of. Our, the next generation does not care about coming to a place just because we're told to go to a place. You're not going to drag your kids in to a church that is dead and expect them to keep going to that church that is dead. They will eventually get to the point where they say, I don't want this anymore. My time is worth more than this. I want something alive. I want something real. I want something life-changing. Realize what God was saying when we experienced and we went from experience from death to life. You were radically changed and there should be an obvious difference in your life. I am not that light, but I have come to bear witness of that light. I have come that I should be different. You realize that if people sit there and question if Jesus is real, they should be convinced and know that Jesus is real by seeing you. Think about that. Is there really a God they should be able to get the answer answered by seeing your life. Should be. But how often do we go to school and we blend right in? There's no light. And I think sometimes we, we, we try to manifest the light in all of our own strength. You cannot do that. If you have no light and no evidence in your life, you might want to question your heart to see if there's any change that you went from dead to life. I'm not saying that to beat people up, but I'm telling you, just like I opened the message at the beginning of this, of understanding that one day we will all stand before God. It wasn't until I was 16 years old that I actually came to the place in my life where I knew that I was lost and needed Jesus Christ. He should be in you. There should be evidence. Your testimony and everything that comes out of your life, there should be an obvious change. There should be an obvious difference. And the Bible says, in you is life and it should be the light of men. It should let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We as Christians should be the obvious evidence in the world around us that there is a God. But that brings us to the next point, which is the great responsibility. We had the great encounter. The great encounter gave us answers. It gave us life change. It made us the evidence in the world. But that gave us a great responsibility. Notice what he's saying. He's saying we hold the answers in our life to bear witness of the truth. 
Peter was following Jesus and he turned around and he said, are you also going to turn away? And he said, why would I do that? You have the words of eternal life. Literally, you have what could change the world around us. That, that, that matters what, what we're called to this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And the saying came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. You are called by God to testify of what God, have you've, what you've encountered in your life, to go and testify. Not go and lecture, not go and convince, not go and twist their arms, but you do this by telling your story. This is what John was talking about in this passage. He said, I'm not that light, but man, I'm going to go and tell the impact of what that light's had in my life. Now, I, I know you guys have so, uh, heard this before because I've been here for so long, but I was saved at 16, but I was raised in church my entire life. My entire life. I don't know what it's like not to be in church. I remember going to a, re, a re, revival type service, sitting there kind of apathetic, talking to the other teenagers about what we were going to do after when church was out, the girls that we were going to talk to, all that other. And in that service, God got a hold of my heart and it drastically, radically changed me. I broke down. I'm a 16 year old sitting in this service. I began to cry. I pushed through the crowd. I pushed through the the pew of people that was there. I walked onto the front. Man, I remember being under such heavy conviction. And you say, what is your story? My story is the fact that I was in church and God saved me from going to hell from a church pew. Can I tell you this? That every single person, you sit there and say, raise your hand and say that I know that I know Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, you also have a story to tell? Of what Jesus Christ has done and whatever that radical change in your life, you have a story to tell. You have something that you've encountered and God says your job is to bear witness of the light. Why? That all might believe. He's talking about responsibility. You, 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 have, you have a story to tell. You have an experience to share. I had this weird thing that happened to me. I, 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 all these things that happened to me all this time where we're going through this with Logan right now and God answers prayers and God does amazing things and God allows us to meet people, all these things. All of this thing is for evidence for me to share with every, everybody else. I, I was sitting in the uh, hospital and I got a friend request from a, a guy that I already know. I thought, that's kind of weird. And so I accepted it. I thought maybe he had to recreate his account. And then instantly I got a Facebook message that says, hello. I'm like, okay, my friend would not talk to me like, hello. You know, it's like, and be like, what's up, Tony? Or, you know, like this. So I was like, hey, I knew it was a scam, but I was bored and sitting in the, 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 waiting for treatments and all that other stuff. So I thought, well, I'll play your game. Hey, what's up? And he comes back and says, did you hear that you won all this money? I said, oh, man, that's great. I could use a million dollars right now. You know, just messaging back and forth, and I'm playing this game with them. And eventually I got frustrated with it. I'm just mad at this point. And I said, you know, you're a really bad scammer. He says, what do you mean? I said, you use broken English. And I said, let me give you three things that I think could make you a better scammer. This is what I typed out. No joke. And I was just so frustrated. I was like, first of all, change it up, man. Why do you use the same method every single time? Change it up. Let's do something. And I gave him an illustration. Anyways, I was bad. (laughs) And then I said, Stop using broken English. I said, I know you're not my friend when you're using broken English as you go through this. And I can't remember the third thing. And he came back and he said, thank you so much for helping me. And I'm like, that wasn't my goal, but uh, I was trying to be sarcastic. Like whatever. And he said, I'm so sorry that I offended you. And I said, you did offend me. Because what did I do to offend you? I said, you're pretending to be my friend that you're not my friend. And he came back and he said, I'm just doing my job. And, I, and so I've got this dialogue going. I said, dude, what is your job? 
He goes, I get on and I take profile pictures just to get them introduced to our program. I said, what you're doing is lying. It's cheating. I said, it's not. It's dishonest. He came back and he said, I'm trying to support my kids. And he sent me a picture of him and his kids and his family. And then he began to get on my Facebook page and he began to ask me. And he said, hey, who is Logan? And I said, Logan's my son that's in the hospital right now. And he said, what's wrong with him? I began to tell him. He said, do you care if I pray for Logan? I said, that would be great. And then I came back and I said, whoa, wait a minute. Who are you praying to? And he said, I'm praying to Allah for your son. And I said, can I, do you know Jesus? And he said, I knew Jesus when I was a kid. And I said, can I tell you what Jesus has done for my son already? And I begin to type things out and tell him. And we have this dialogue. And he comes back and he's saying, he says, uh, Tony, can we be friends? But he said, as soon as they find out that this is not a real account, they're going to delete it. Can we be friends on another? So we switched over to another thing. I am now friends with a scammer on Facebook, okay? <laughs> and, and we talk and we go back and forth and he asks me how I'm doing and I'm constantly telling him, do you realize that God, this, this darkness that I've been through with Logan and everything that I'm going, I, I, I have the light, I have answers, okay? I've been changed. I, I have experience, I have a testimony, I have all these things. My job is for the light to shine in the darkness around me. You say, why would you do that? For those that listen, that they might believe. That's what John said in seven. And all around us constantly, God is saying, I've done things in your life and I've shared experience in your life. And I, I met with somebody that was planning out a funeral this, a few weeks ago. And as they're sitting there, one of them raised their hand and said, hey, I know we're sitting here and talking, but can you tell me, I, I saw on Facebook something about your son was in the hospital. They gave him medicine, but they didn't give him medicine. But then his cough went away. What was that all about? I was like, I'm glad you asked me. Here's what happened. Here's the story that I have. This is what God did. And everybody's sitting there saying, that is so cool. That is so God. The world needs to hear about our God. See, we, we have this opportunity to carry out. We, no, no, no. We have a responsibility to carry out truth. To put it in the darkness of places that they might hear. You realize that that guy might have been just doing his job. But on that day, I was able to tell him about Jesus Christ. That all might believe. But I also have a responsibility to carry. Do you, do you notice of what he was saying in that passage? He said, to be a witness. Listen to, I have come to be a witness. Listen how he lays this out. To bear witness of the light. That all might believe. It's, it's not just the fact that I am a witness. We have a responsibility to carry the light. To carry the witness, to carry the testimony. For Mike Myers and Belinda to be able to go down to Sunshine Mission where he's at right now as we're talking and preaching the gospel in that place. For Sarah to be able to go to Romania. You know what she's going to do? I'm, gonna, I'm not that light, but I come to bear witness of that light. Can I tell you what my God has done? When Calvin and Mindy go to the Philippines, when uh, uh, Bob and Shelley Morcom down at Glory Rain Stables, you know what we're doing? We're, we're sharing that. We have a responsibility. You sit there and say, why do we make a big deal about this? You, you, know what, you know what faith promises and the cards and everything that we're doing? This is us being committed to bear witness of the light. You know what's crazy is we don't have any problems committing to things in this world. Uh, we, we'll, we'll, we'll commit to any sort of app that has a monthly fee. We'll commit to Netflix. We'll commit to <laughs> cell phone service. You know, all these things. We, we do this all the time. We have no problem to commitment. I think our problem is priorities. You know what I'm saying? It's like when everything comes to play, how much do we prioritize this? By faith, 
I step out to trust God to, 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 to claim his promise. That's what faith promise is. I'm going to claim his promises about what he's called us to do, what he's called us to, to commit to. But it makes a difference. We're talking about the difference that Shelley was able to get up here and talk about with that. And you know what God says? He's just commanded us to bear witness, to, to carry it out, to pick it up. Here's everything that God has done at Fellowship Baptist Church. Everything that God has done in my life, my job is to carry it out, to bear witness of the light that all might believe. The send offering is going to make a difference in the lives of people around the world, especially those in Romania and those at Sunshine Mission. Let me just close with this. The why. We've encountered the great encounter has given us a great responsibility. And the reason that we do it all is because of the great impact. So what difference does it make when I stand up to tell you what God has done or I share this on Facebook or I'm, I'm going to share what God has done through Logan's story or your story, your testimony or the fact that some of you were in addictions and God pulls you out. That's your story. So, so some of you have been pulled out of atheist backgrounds and, and whatever. That's your story. God's called us to bear witness, to testify. You're put on the, the testimony stand to sit there and say, listen, I'm not just saying to go to church. Can I tell you what God has done in my life? Can I tell you how God has impacted me? But the Bible talks about how my eye has affected my heart. For them to sit there and see Christians and to hear our stories and to hear our testimonies. And and I tell you what, I I know what God's doing with Logan right now. He's showing up to show that he is a faithful God. That he goes before us, that he has answers. And God does what man cannot do. So that I can use that as part of my testimony to be able to prove that there is a great God that loves us and answers our prayers. Seeing came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men, your neighbors, people in Romania, people next door to you, the teenagers that go to school with you, that, that all men through him might believe. You sit there and say, I'm not a prophet, or I'm not a pastor, or I'm not ordained and all this. There was a man (laughs) sent by God. His name was John. John was not that light. John came to bear witness of that light. That all him, through him, might be saved. I'm here to tell you, you are not that light. But we, as Christians, are accountable to the answers that we have. The truth that we've been given the experiences that God has done in my life. And all I have to do is stand there and say, can I tell you what God has done? Can I ask you guys a question? I'm going to ask you guys a serious question. My son has cancer. God only knows the future and outcome of everything that's going to happen in the future. Doing chemo, hoping that this works, and we're doing the major surgery, praying that they can do it, take it out. I just have a question. I'm just curious. If there was a cure for cancer and you knew about it, would you tell me? Would you tell me? Do you understand that we have the cure for sin? We have the answers that separate people from heaven and hell. Will you tell them? I don't know. You just sit there and say, that's not the same. No, it's not the same. It's that what we're talking about of understanding eternal life Understanding that people, our family, our friends, neighbors, people in Romania, people at all these places that we talked about, one day people will stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which was the Lamb's Book of Life. 
And those that were not written in the Lamb's Book of Life were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. That's not me just making it up. That's not a scare tactic. That's not a Halloween story. That is the reality of people's life that don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You have answers. You have a testimony. You've been through some things that could change other people's lives. I'm just asking you, what are we collectively going to do with it? Because I have a responsibility. I have a calling. I'm called to this.